You're listening to Food Trucks in Babylon, a Western seminary podcast with Dr. Todd Miles and Dr. Patrick Schreiner. Listen as they discuss matters of faith, theology, and culture in a post-Christian world. Okay, welcome back. We're still talking about Christ in the Old Testament. So last time we looked at some key things in terms of why is this controversial? Why is it important? We went to texts like the Emmaus Road, 1 Peter 1, uh, John 5. And then, and then we talked for a while about does Jesus give a hermeneutic? Can we follow the apostles' hermeneutic? Now, I, I think it's important that we also get to um, guidelines in terms of what what are some things we could say in terms of helping people see Christ in the Old Testament uh, maybe think of good and bad examples. So let's start with guidelines. What are some things that help us in terms of maybe we could say guardrails? Uh, I don't know if I even love the term guardrails yeah. because that means like, oh, you don't want to step over here. Um, I mean, there's that famous question, though. Do you see Christ every under every rock uh, or which rocks are Christ and which waters are Christ. Um, yeah. And so so maybe just speak to us, Todd, about um, some things that maybe you found helpful in your own study, and then I'll speak to that as well. Yeah, so I am always conscious, maybe because I'm a teacher, I, I'm always conscious that, that anytime I'm, I'm preaching or I'm teaching, I'm doing more than just preaching or teaching the content. I am also giving a hermeneutics lesson right. <laughs> every right. single time. Yep. And, and I have this burden every time I preach that when people walk away from the sermon, they know what I did with the scriptures. Mm. And I want them to have the confidence that they can do the same thing, that, that there's no uh, Gnostic thing going on here, right? That, that Todd has the secret stuff, and I sure am glad I'm in I sure am glad I'm able to listen to him because he can deliver the secret goods that are unavailable to me. Right. right. This no. this guy, we, we spoke of this a little earlier, like if you're done preaching or teaching, they're like, this guy's amazing. He knows his scriptures so well, rather than saying Christ is amazing. I think yeah. you've done something wrong there. I mean, I, or at least you're not, you're, you're not pointing them to Jesus. You're pointing them to yourself. You are, you really are. And uh, you know, we, it, it, it really doesn't matter what we confess about uh, the authority of Scripture. Uh, it's it's going to be obvious in how we use the Scriptures. Right. That's that's the that's the smell test, right? right. You know, right. we can confess we didn't eat onions all right. we want, yep. <laughs> but if people smell it, then they'll know the truth. That's right, right? And and so it's the same thing here. And so I so so one like very simple guideline for me whenever I'm preaching and, and and I want to draw some sort of Christological connection right from an Old Testament text is I want to be able to argue it with them mm-hmm. right? I, I, right I want them to understand how I did what I did and why I felt justified in doing it yeah right? can I actually argue this yeah that is a person co- could come up to me and say uh, you know what? It wasn't obvious to me what you did there. Yeah, right. At, at which point I'll think, "Wow, I'm so sorry, I failed." Yeah, <laughs> at, right. At, right. At, at this, or uh, how did you do that? Yeah. If you didn't have time to explain it, if I didn't have time to explain it. Have enough time. You you better have some arguments there. If you're just kind of like, 
well, because Jesus is everywhere, and so therefore it works. Yeah. That's not. A, that's not. Yeah, that's and not I'm a spiritual guy. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, and, and then and I can I'm pull the apostle. Paul card. Yeah, no, that's right. Kidding. Pull the Paul. Big A. Pull yeah. the Paul card out there and say, <laughs> if you were spiritual, you would have seen this. That's right. So, uh, what kind of things? Um, what kind of arguments would you give in terms of? I know we're not thinking of. Maybe if you have a specific example or sure. you don't, but like what, what sort of uh, things, literary, word, connections, yeah. what kind of things like that? So like obviously the, the, like the lowest hanging fruit is messianic prediction or prophecy, right? right? right. So th- that's easy. Yep. And, and, and no one disagrees over that. That's now, right. uh, especially if there's something explicit, especially if a New Testament author right. quotes that passage, right. then you know, we're, you're on pretty firm ground. You, yep. you can like be absolutely confident and, and, and even say, if you disagree with this interpretation, you're just wrong. Right, right, right. Because this is the interpretation the New Testament authors give. So, yeah. so, so that's so. So we'll just assume that one. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, then, uh, then another way that that I, I like to get to Christ is just by where are we at in the story. Yeah. Where right. are we at in the story? Mm-hmm. And you can do that every single time. Right. You like you're saying, the, the story Testament. of the whole scriptures. The, yeah, the story of the whole scriptures: the creation, the whole scriptures. fall, redemption, consummation. Yep. Jesus is the central figure. He's the fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we at in the story? And so uh, you, you should be able to get to Christ from anywhere in the scriptures, you know, kind of like a mall map, you know, mm-hmm. where like, mm-hmm. hey, I, 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 I want to get to Jesus, but I need to know where I'm at right now. You know, right, you know? right. So, so like in the mall, you, you find that map. It's, yeah. you, you find where the store is that you want. Yeah. I'm talking like I go to malls. I never, I'm I know. I don't, malls. Yeah. I don't go to malls. Yeah. But anyway, but I think people understand. I've what heard a mall stories is. that there are, that there are maps that I've say heard you stories are here. There are still malls out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> They're dying. That's right. Our next episode will be on why malls are dying. Why malls are dying. Yeah. We won't have much to say about that. I I got, <laughs> I, I, I got nothing other than they're, they're just torture. They're awful. <laughs> I I maybe just pause here. I get mall tired. I specifically call it mall tired. Yeah. Because you go there and all your energy is sapped. Yeah. And I don't and know why. I'm like, what? You're sucking the life from me. Literally. I don't know where. Like your where, feet hurt. Yeah. You're like, I just need to go home and lie down and not be here anymore. Not be here. <laughs> okay. So the mall map, you are here, right? Yeah. And, and so we can do that with the scriptures. Right. I, I, I want to know where I'm going. And I want to know where I'm at. So where am I at in the story? Even, even something like uh, Genesis 38, the story of Judah and Tamar. Yeah. One of the creepiest stories yep. in the Bible. Yep. Why is it in there? Mm-hmm. Well, where are we at in the Tell story? Tell me, Todd. Where are we at in the story? What's that? <laughs> Tell me. Yeah. Why is it there? Why do you think it's but, there? Why is it there? Well, I, I, I think it's there to give uh, really a, a Christological reason for the whole Joseph narrative. Yep. I agree for, for for the entire Joseph narrative mm-hmm. because and and I'm on, we're on solid ground here. This is another. It's it's not as low hanging, but it's mm-hmm. pretty low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy uh, because this son of Judah that is born of this ridiculous union with yeah. Tamar is right. part of the messianic line. That's right. Part it's about the line line. of Judah continuing. It is. You've got to have that in there, which is super important because, because the rest of the story is about Joseph, who's not of Judah. He's not there, and 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 yet the Joseph story is so awesome that it, it overwhelms. At times, yep. the bigger point, yep. which is uh, so, like Joseph saying, uh, "God sent me here for the saving of many lives." That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, uh, yeah, th- there were a whole bunch of people in the ancient Near East who lived because of what God did through Joseph. That's right. But the most the important famine. people, yeah, Judah 
Perez, right. Perez's kid, whatever right. his you've name got, was. You've got to have that story in there because it's from the line of Judah that the ruler is going mm-hmm. to come. And, and so we read through that story and we're like, wait, why is this weird story about Tamar and yeah. the sexuality that's going yeah. on there? Yeah. And you're just so confused. But Because what we don't need is another example of how dysfunctional Jacob's family was. That's right. Right. We, that's we, right. we know that already. Right. right. I mean, why that. is it interrupting the Joseph story? Because it, right, doesn't the Joseph it's story totally, begin? Yeah, it's, it starts in 37. Yeah, and, that's right. And, and then Joseph is off to Egypt. That's right. And then it's like, meanwhile, back at the ranch, yeah. Joseph's, brother, or <laughs> Joseph's brothers continue to be creeps. Yeah, well, exactly. No, it's, like, it's, it's way more than that. Right. It's, it's way right. more than that. Right. Uh, and, and, and so, uh, I mean, I think that that, that chapter 38 is yeah. there to give a Christological that's good. purpose. And, yeah. and so, I, I mean, heavens, you, you can even preach a gospel invitation from this. Mm-hmm. Joseph's brothers, right. or, I mean, Joseph's brothers sent Joseph there. Mm-hmm. God sent Joseph there. That's right. God, uh, Joseph's brothers' evil purposes are subsumed by God's good, good purpose purposes yeah. to save lives, yep. and, and that would include you and me. That's right. Right. If, That's right. if Joseph doesn't get to Egypt right. to keep his family alive, That's right. we are all in deep kimchi. That's right. Right, because... Yep. Uh, uh, there's deep no what? way. What's that? What did you just say? I, deep, I said kimchi. deep kimchi. I, oh, I, I nice. actually kind of like kimchi. Uh, um, I really like the kimchi at Lardo. So speaking of food trucks, <laughs> there you uh, go. It used to be a food truck. So just a little plug there in terms of what's your favorite food truck? Um, <laughs> which, yeah, we should probably talk about a food truck. Like, what's your favorite food truck? At some point, right? We have to. We have to. So can you just tell me really quick while we're? I want to talk more about Joseph, but. Can you tell me what what is your current most most favorite? Which is a great phrase. Most favorite. My my, my most <laughs> my most favorite. My most favorite That's food right. truck. Uh, um, do you have a, a sense right now? I know that I'm, I, I'm throwing. I we don't did not because plan I go from listeners. I go from food truck to food truck to food truck. Okay, so if you if you wanted to go to a food truck with me today, which is unlikely, but yeah. would you what, what would you choose? Uh, Where would you go? Typically, I would choose something. Uh, Korean. Yeah. I, I love the Korean fusion. And so I love to go uh, downtown. Kim Jong Grillin. Yeah. Do you like Kim Jong Grillin? I, I, I do. I, okay. I do. And I actually had Korean barbecue last night, which nice. was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. That's the nice little pause in terms of food trucks. Um, so you, you were giving us uh, arguments for guidelines and you said you need to make, you need to be able to make an argument to begin yeah. with. And your second point was you need to know where you are in the story. So we kind of went to the, the Judah Tamar story. Is anything else you want to add to that in terms of, um, I mean, obviously I, I would add some like word connections. If you have like a specific Greek word used or a specific Hebrew word and it's repeated in the new Testament, they, you have just a word syntax connection. Yeah. Um, and then we could probably... And so that's where the argument would get tougher, right. because then you have to to say, I'm pretty sure this was intentional, not yes. just coincidence. Yes. Yeah. Now, you do have the whole inspiration of Scripture on your side. That's right. That. Yeah. And I think usually if you're doing the more detailed thing, you probably need to back it up with the larger picture, too. So usually details don't work unless larger pictures work, yeah. if that makes sense. So yeah. You can't just pull out a detail and be like, oh, look, there's Christ, without saying, well, this whole story is already leading us kind of towards that yeah. thing, and the details then are filling it in. So as, as far as words go, yeah. so like a, a guideline for me on this would be, and we could even go back to something we talked about earlier with, with water and baptism That's and right. such, yeah. would be... Uh, is can I develop a biblical theology of this word, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to where it's it clearly is right. used right. Uh, by the Holy Spirit through multiple authors yeah. to to point us in to a certain Christ. direction. And is there a heightening, right? We have type, anti-type. Exactly. Is there a fulfillment in Christ that comes 
through water. And I think that's pretty clear in terms mm-hmm. of his baptism. Oh, heavens. And so you have all of the water stories in the Old Testament, crossing the Jordan, crossing the Red Sea, uh, the water story with Noah, and I'm probably forgetting about seven of them. I mean, you've got oh. water stories with Elijah and Elisha, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. And so all of those stories... Not to mention all the prophecies tying the Holy Spirit and water and right. baptism. and yep. all. That's right. And then uh, the temple, the water flowing from the temple. Mm-hmm. And all those things are finding their fulfillment in Christ. And if you can't get to that kind of type, anti-type, which is the heightening, the escalation, the fulfillment, the yeah. completion of that image, then you're probably out to sea a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so the <laughs> Oh yeah, I didn't even realize what I did. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard it. You heard I heard it. it. Thank you. Yeah. So so a, a guideline. Can I develop a biblical theology of this thing? Good. Th- that is it yep. does it just show up one time? Is there one connection? Well, you know, maybe if, if I were preaching that, I'd say, hey, th- this reminds me. I, and I, I might say it like that. I'm not right. giving necessarily the authoritative right. interpretation, right. But, but, but I might say something along the lines of, this reminds me. But if I can develop a biblical theology of it, then I'm going to be more certain, kind of, right. kind of what we talked about last time yep. uh, in terms of we're not inspired, so we don't have that epistemic certainty. That, yep. uh, but, but I'm more certain now. That's I, right. I'm, I'm more certain now. That's right. That's good. Yeah, I uh, maybe I'll add a few pieces. I think it's just saying the same things in a different way. Um, and maybe we can return to the Joseph story because I did some work on that. Um, I argue that you need to follow the interpretive practices of the biblical authors. And the, the clear one that you already mentioned is promises. If there's a promise and it goes to Christ, then obviously there you see Christ. But the ones that are more difficult is what I call patterns, and we've spoken about this briefly, and then plight in particular. So what I mean by that is that there's certain patterns and stories that are going to reflect the Christ story. So I'm not speaking in terms of whole biblical theology, although that's going to be included because I'm going to go to Christ. But rather, as we looked at in the the last uh, part with Luke 24, 1 Peter 10, there's this pattern of suffering to glory. And so if you're trying, Jesus already said, look for patterns of suffering to glory, they point to me. If you go to something like the Joseph story, you have this pattern of mm. suffering to glory. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second. So Jesus is never named or there's no like explicit promise. There's there's very little in terms of fulfillment in the Joseph story. You have Acts 7 where it's referenced. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the whole Joseph story, where do you see Christ in the Joseph story? So we already talked about Judah and Tamar, but what you have in the Joseph story is this pattern of suffering to glory, which made me think, okay, let me think more about the Joseph story and the Jesus story. Mm -hmm. And just think about these connections. I'm just going to run through them. Uh, both of them are chosen by their father as unique individuals, right? Joseph's given the robe of many colors and Jesus at his baptism, you are my son. Right, both of them are rejected by their brothers, so both of them are raised up to this position, and their brothers are like, "I don't like this." And what I mean by brothers with Jesus is the the nation of Israel, the leaders of Israel, basically the scribes, the priests, the Sadducees. They hand him over to be crucified. Both of them, Jesus and Joseph, undergo suffering and exile. So, because of what their brothers have done, Joseph is thrown into the pit. Now, I think we should be thinking. And maybe you agree or maybe you don't, that the pit in the scriptures is associated with like the grave of Jesus. Okay. And so they're both thrown into the pit and Joseph is thrown into multiple pits, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's thrown into the pit before he goes off to Egypt mm-hmm. and then he's thrown into jail 
after he is with Potiphar's wife, he's actually righteous in that situation, yep. but he's accused. So he goes into jail. So they both undergo this kind of exile out of yep. their land into Egypt, right? They both undergo this suffering. And then both end up through that being exalted in a foreign court. So you see what happens with Jesus. He's exalted in the Roman court. And some people would be like, wait a second, he's not really exalted. But he is, well, he is. because he's crowned he in is. their court. Yes. Now with a crown of thorns, yeah. and so it, raised it, it's, on a cross. It's mocking. That's right. It's mocking. But Joseph is exalted in a foreign court too in Egypt, right? He's brought up to be second in command in Egypt. And then finally, this is the most important point. Finally, what has happened to him is the means by which they save the nation right? So you have yep. the Joseph story. He provides for his people and food. And here's the type anti-type. Jesus provides for his people in saving them from their sins. So suddenly you have this pattern of this story that starts to live and you're like, wait, Jesus is everywhere in this everywhere. story. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I mean, my argument is that's the way we need to be preaching the Joseph story. We need to say, like Joseph yes. suffered, Christ suffered on your behalf. There you go. And I don't think you have to go through like all the details. You actually just make that jump. And then as people, like I, I think just literarily in, in mm-hmm. terms of speaking, you can say this, the story of Joseph points us to Jesus and to our ultimate hope because Joseph couldn't ultimately save the nation. He died and the people of his generation died. Yep. But Jesus came and he provided for us in ways that Joseph never could. He also went through exile. He also went through suffering. He also was rejected. And finally, he saves his people. And he forgives his brothers, doesn't he? He does. Forgives them on the cross. And Joseph forgives his brothers. And so I just think that story is actually, that's what I mean by patterns. So you have a plight. So I didn't speak about the plight yet. You have this plight, what's going to happen to the nation? And then you have these patterns that mirror Christ. And if you have those, if you have those, then I think you can go to the particular. So I, I alliterate this. Man. Promises, yes, patterns, I, plight, particular. So what are the particulars? It, you know, um, the only thing that's off here is that you have like four of them and not three of them. <laughs> so. That's right. That's right. Okay, so let me get to the particulars. Um the particulars in terms of, so let me just give you a few details. Both of them are sold for piece for money. Well, let me back silver. up just, just, yeah, yeah. just really briefly on this yeah. and, and ask this. So yeah. I will play the conservatives advocate okay. in this. Yeah. Uh, not there. You don't, you're not calling Moses conservative devils. No, I'm not. I'm, okay. No, Thank the you. devil needs no advocates. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, but conservatives do. Uh, was Moses thinking Jesus when he wrote this narrative? I don't of uh, of, know of Joseph. If, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, was w- yeah, and and so this is where I'd want to. How would you with, respond to that? Yeah, yeah. So the way I'd respond to that is I don't know. I don't think we can know what Moses okay. was thinking. I think Moses, as he wrote that story, was looking forward, as First Peter says. Okay. And there were shadows of something is going on here. This is more of a text, though, for me that I'm reading what we call backward. Yeah. Sure. From the Jesus story okay. into the Joseph story. And some people are more uncomfortable with that. But I think, I, I don't think we can prove that Moses. Man, I'm not sure actually, we can be uncomfortable with it if we read Luke 24. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Is, so I think we read the story of Jesus and we see all of these patterns repeated. And yes. then we go back to our Old Testament and we see. Now, is that intentionally in Moses's purview? I would say I'm not sure. Okay. But it's not. Con- Does it matter? 
but it's not here. Let me finish that. There's, it's not in contradiction to his purpose. Okay. So it, it's not like I'm taking Moses for a spin that he wouldn't say. Yeah. That's really what's happening in the Joseph story. Yeah. So in other words, there's a sense in which he sees, but he can't see fully because Christ is not here. So does it matter? It matters in one sense, and I think it doesn't matter in another sense. It matters because I am going past the human authorial intent. Okay. But I'm not going past the divine authorial intent. And so that's what we talked about yep. last time. We have to live with both Attention. authors. That's right. Uh, we, we, our, our hermeneutic has to include both a human element and a divine element. That's right. We're working together. That's right. My name's Aram, and I'm in the MABTS program at Western Seminary. My favorite part about this program is that I get to study and reflect on God's Word at an academic level, and I also get to learn around some amazing people. The students and faculty here have helped me grow in the way I understand God and His Word, and I also get to do it in an environment that pushes and challenges me both personally and academically. Western Seminary offers a number of programs to help students prepare for the work God has called them to through rigorous education designed with practical application. If you're interested in learning more about Western or starting your application, visit us online at westernseminary.edu. Now back to the show. Okay, so we're talking about the Joseph story, and you had a great question in terms of, is this um, the author Moses's intent? Intent, yeah. And uh, do you want to press into that anymore? My, my argument was it was basically that it might have not been his explicit intent, but it doesn't go against his larger intent. Well, I, I think that what you're describing there is is what we read in, in First Peter 1, right? right? That, that, that the authors were aware of something. Right. Someone's <laughs> Some, coming. Yes. Uh, but they didn't know precisely what or how. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with yeah. that. You know, I, I asked the question, does this even matter? Right. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it does because of our doctrine of inspiration. Right. Um, right. Now, we, we don't want to go in a totally different direction than, than the what the the author is doing, but, but that's not what I hear you doing. I, I hear you telling the story of Joseph and then you're finding similarities between what God did through Joseph and what God did through Jesus. Right. And, uh, you know, as, as you were listing all of these things, uh, uh, one more we could throw in there was that it's repeated over and over again with Joseph and God was with Joseph. That's right. God was with Joseph. Yeah, Emmanuel. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and we see that right in spades as, you know, Peter even, summarizes the ministry of Jesus. God was right. with him. Right. Yeah. And we have, we do have, uh, I don't think we actually always need this, but you have in Acts 7, um, the patriarchs, this is Stephen's sermon. Mm -hmm. yeah, Acts 7, sermon. verse 9, the patriarchs, the fathers became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. I think the wording there is, okay, your ancestors, Stephen's look at them, your fathers became jealous that's the exact same word used in the Gospels of them becoming jealous of Jesus. Okay, And so we have, see, I, we're putting all this together, but God was with him. It even repeats that from the, uh, the Genesis narrative. And he rescued him out of all his troubles. And it goes on to talk about he was a rejected prophet. 
And ultimately, where does Stephen get to with rejected prophet? Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is the ultimate rejected prophet. He barely has time to make that point. He barely does. But um, I think we actually have. So if 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 you're nervous about it, you actually have an Act Seven Stephen doing the same type of thing with this narrative. So there's there's I said we have promises uh, which are not controversial patterns from suffering to glory with the Joseph narrative. And 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 just to, to to interject there, if I think you can preach that. Yeah. It, it well, first off, it preaches really well. Right. And how do you transition? You could say just something as humble as this reminds me. That's right. Of Jesus. Jesus. That's right. You, you could do that, and yeah. you're preaching Christ. You're preaching Christ, and, and people are making this connection. You're not doing something gnostic or weird. You know, this didn't come by some. I assume it didn't come by you know some some dream or something where well, this is the real we'll have to talk about that because yeah. actually it was a dream okay no, just excellent. Kidding. fantastic <laughs> because um, it's joseph yeah it, and has, he's to, a dreamer, it has to come via and, dreams doesn't you know, it you know i know just, yeah no yeah it, it it comes from reflection on the scriptures and i think you're right which anyone can do yes and you when you preach about this and i know we want to talk about this more but maybe we'll just say a little now you don't go up there and try to impress people with wow look at all those connections that he's making like yeah. you said you just say this reminds me of the Jesus story. Yeah. And you then then people in your congregation can say, yeah, I can do that too. I can read stories and remind remind myself of Jesus. Yeah. That's what you're really trying to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If uh, we, we don't want people to walk away from our teaching or preaching thinking, I could never do that. Right. Uh, right. But we do want them to walk away thinking, I want to know the scriptures well mm-hmm. so I can do that. Right. Right. So this is where it gets um, even a little more, I'd say, maybe dicey. But if we have that pattern, if we have that plight, then I think we can go to even particulars in the story. So most people aren't going to be preaching the Joseph story as one big chunk. No. Unless you go to a nine marks church. <laughs> um, but if you don't, you're going to be preaching the Joseph story in, in smaller sections. And so you're like, well, how do I tie this together for people? Well, I think because we have the whole narrative there, the whole pattern, you begin to, you can actually begin to look at the particulars. Now, I wouldn't do this as much if we don't have that pattern, but let me just list some particulars that I noticed. Um, both are stripped of their clothes. If you think about Jesus on the cross, before the cross, okay, he's stripped of his clothes. So is Joseph by his brothers. Mm. So you have a connection there in terms of s- the stripping and the shame of the clothes. Yeah. Um, both are put into the earth to rot. I kind of already mentioned that. Uh, both are raised from the pit. Both are sold for pieces of silver. Hmm. And so you've got this Judas narrative where you're like, you're, you're betraying your family in some sense for pieces of silver. And that's exactly what the brothers do. Um, both are faithful in the midst of temptation. So you think about like the Potiphar and Potiphar's wife story. Where do you go? I think you go to Jesus's temptation and you say, you know, while we fail with temptation, we have one just like Joseph who is righteous and did not give in to these things. Um, both are numbered with the transgressors. Think about who is with him in prison. Yeah. The baker and the uh, cupbearer, right? Good. Numbered with the Good. transgressions. Um, both foretell the future ac- accurately. Both um, embrace God's purposes, even though it brings them physical harm. So all these things are just based on the larger pattern, right? Um, both, this is cool, both give bread to hungry people. 
right? That's true. So you think yes. about, uh, you, you can just go on and on in terms of uh, w- what's happening here. Both stand before rulers and act as wise men in court. The wise men, I think there's this, this wisdom theme that's actually beginning here. It goes to Daniel and then it goes to mm-hmm. Jesus. He acts as the true wise man in the court. So for, for me, all of these things say, here, here look for patterns, l- look for plight, something that actually the nation of Israel is not saved on that day, ultimately. Mm-hmm. They need to be saved from their sins. And then as you see those things, you can begin to look for particulars. So those are some guidelines. But we also need to talk about, what about bad examples? Yeah. Aren't there bad examples of this? So maybe it sounds like to people, we're just like off our rockers here and we can go wherever we want to and see Jesus. Um, oh, wh- when is this done poorly? And wh- what are some things that we can say about that? Do you have any kind of wisdom in, in that realm? Yeah, well, as I said before, we, we should be able to argue this. Yeah, We should be able to argue us to where people understand what we're saying. Uh, the the probably the the, the typical bad example, bad example that, that you often hear is uh, Rahab's scarlet yep. cord yep. represents the blood of mm-hmm. of of Jesus on the yep. cross or, or something like that because of the color red. Right. Um, I'm I'm not quite as comfortable with that, mm-hmm. but I think you could almost make the same point about Rahab. Yeah. Um, and and her salvation. Right. By by doing something by doing some of the other things that we've talked about, and not right. just by saying, hey, right. look, there was a red cord, Jesus' yeah. blood is red, ergo Jesus. Right. Uh, maybe you don't do that. Uh, I think that's why that has been used as a bad example. Exactly. But um, if, as a good example, we, we talked about earlier how um, that could be representative of almost the Passover blood. So it's not just red and red, but rather it's showing that God is actually covering the nations like he's covering Israel. So you get out of the Egypt narrative, you're like, wow, God is really just for Israel here. Then you go into the Joshua narrative and you're like, oh, wait, Rahab's a part of this as well. And Matthew ends up making the same point that Rahab is a part of the family of God in Matthew 1, the genealogy. And so what you've just done is you've there's a connections at, 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 right. at multiple points That's also. Right. It wasn't yep. just that it was a scarlet thread and Jesus's blood happened to be red and right. therefore, right. yeah. And so I think those are, I, I, I mean, even even as we're talking about, say, this bad example, we're talking about how to use the guidelines. Right, right. so here's another example. About. I'll throw it out to you. It's, this is totally just off, uh, off the top of my head. So we've heard, I think some of the church fathers do this. So the wood that is, isn't there wood? <laughs> this is bad. There's wood that's thrown into the water that makes it not bitter. Not bitter. That's correct. And yes. so some church fathers will be say that's the cross ah, because you have so, because the wood it's made of wood of thrown into the water and it makes the water eternal life. And Jesus talks about eternal life and so forth and so on. So I think initially we were, well, yeah. Do you have anything? I, I know this is not prepared, but do you have anything I have to say about that? I have nothing on that. <laughs> so that, yeah. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to just say like, because there's wood here and there's wood there. I, you know, I, we just made the argument for water. And so you're yeah. like, are you being co- co- contradicting yourself? But I, I would want to see a larger narrative pattern. 
now, now the water like, part is interesting. Yeah, and, and living and, water and and water again. We can do a biblical theology of water. That's it's right. all through there. Uh, we could probably do a biblical theology of tree. Yes, I even. did it in my book. Yeah. So <laughs> so that, uh, but so now we're arguing again that the bad examples are actually good examples. Well, <laughs> uh, but uh, but this is where I but, really want to go. This is I was tricking. But what you. makes them? What makes them bad? That's and, right. And and how how might they be redeemed? That's right. right. Right, yeah, uh, that's true. So let me give you, uh, I'm going to actually land on a real bad example okay. um, because I just gave two bad examples that now I'm thinking are good examples. Um, okay. A real bad example for me, and and this comes from, uh, I was reading a book, or I think actually my wife was reading a book, and I'm sorry to the author if you're listening to this, but um, they made the connection, I don't even remember who it was, but they made the connection of Jacob going before his father to receive the blessing and putting on Esau's clothes, yep. and putting on his hairy arms, which is just a great story for <laughs> flannel graphs. And yes. um, this author, which I grew up with. That's <laughs> hairy arms or flannel graphs. No, flannel graphs. <laughs> flannel graphs. <laughs> um, this author said, "Well, that is a type of putting on Christ's righteousness." And my Sweet. wife actually came to me, and she said, "I know you're really like." key and in on this stuff. You love this stuff. Every time you're like, Ooh, I think I can argue my way into this. She's like, what do you, what do you think about that? And I just paused and I thought, you know, I don't think that I would go there with that example and why, because the point, it actually goes against mm. Moses's intention in that story. Okay. Moses's intention is that story in that story is to show that Jacob is a trickster. Yes. And that he is act the God is actually working through flawed individuals and blessing them despite their sin. Despite so his promises sin. are going to come true despite Israel's nastiness, right? And we see the fruit of that's right. his deception played Fighting. out in their lives. Exactly. And so you, what you're doing there is you're taking something that's actually negative and making it positive saying that's Christ's righteousness but I don't think that is Christ's righteousness so for me that that I, that's where I put the brakes on that example okay and I'm like mm, no I don't I don't think that works as well uh, because it's not fitting with the narrative flow um, now maybe someone will come and tell me well here's why it actually does work so forth and so on but for right now, I don't think that's working in terms of the pattern. And that's where I do kind of grab onto authorial intent and say, what's the flow of this narrative? With yes. the Joseph narrative, I think it's pretty clear that this exile and suffering doesn't end in exile and suffering. And so it, it, it's it's just the pattern works better for the Joseph narrative. And, and, and it sounds like what you're doing with this pattern also is, is you're thinking about uh, that this stuff actually took place in history. That's right. And and and, and so it's it's grounded there. That's right. And you know we we haven't really used the term typology. We have at all here. Yeah. Uh, because typology is a contested. That's right. Uh, yeah. We were going to talk about difference between between typology and allegory, but I almost almost want to just skip that and say, how do you preach this well? Because those are debated terms, and honestly, and I, I feel like. More heat than light comes from that debate. I, I, I think so. Uh, and I think for most listeners, typology are like, I don't even know what words you're using. And so I think what you're just looking for is patterns. Mm -hmm. uh, typology just means types. And allegory, I think, is just another way of doing that. And there's good and bad typology and there's good and bad allegory. So now I say, you know, we're not going to get into it. And I just did. Well, so how do maybe you want to say anything about that or do should we just transition to preaching? No, other than I, I agree 
that it's it's not always helpful just say okay let's talk about typology and now let's talk about why allegory is bad right what, but but what we have been talking about here in terms of guidelines and maybe how to do these things is is what we're really doing is we're saying how do you identify types yes yes uh, and, yep. and uh, but but we're presenting how to do this as guidelines that, that you can argue and and so we can have a discussion about these things yeah that's right um, okay so we've we've hinted at preaching it well. Um, but maybe we can flesh this out a little more. Um, what what advice would you give to people who are thinking about either preaching or teaching this well? Because obviously we can sit here theoretically and do this, but what we want to do is bring it to the church, the people of the church, and say, I, I like what you said earlier, you're always giving a hermeneutics lesson in what you're doing. And so um, what, what are, any advice for people in terms of uh, even if you have other examples or in terms of how to do this, I, I'll throw it over to you. Sure. I have some other things I'd love to say well, as well. So uh, we've, we've kind of been framing this in terms of, uh, of the Old Testament, right. right? And so I would say pay close attention to the Old Testament narrative and preach that well. That's right. right? So teach the Old Testament narrative well. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't give it short shrift as though it's just a coded launch point to get to the really important right. thing, which That's is good. Jesus. Uh, because if, if we're doing it the way that we want to do it, if we're doing it the way that we want to do it, we are going to, um, well, finding Christ in the Old Testament, uh, we're saying, hey, he's there in the Old Testament, which means we have to pay close attention to the, to Old, the Testament Old Testament story. Yeah, yeah, some people think this is, like you said, well, then we're just going to ignore the Old Testament and go to Jesus. No, I think the point of this is actually you understand the Old Testament narrative even better because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we don't see these things because we don't know the Old yeah. Testament story as well. So, and so, so, so the details are hugely that's, important. That's right. And, yeah. and, and teach those well, uh, preach those well. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, we've, we've talked about epistemic certainty, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that should be reflected in our, in our preaching. That's and, right. and so, so use words uh, that, that reflect how confident you are. Yeah, that's good. And so you could say, hey, this reminds me of Jesus. Yeah. Right. That's a humble way right. of directing people's attention. Their attention is now going to be on Christ. That's right. But, but you haven't said, um, and if you didn't see this, then you don't understand how to read the <laughs> Testament because I know I'm absolutely right. And the whole sermon wasn't, let's see connections. Yeah. It's, let's, I think when you preach through a narrative, you should say, let's walk through this narrative. And then as you have opportunity, or as you should, mm-hmm. you should be kind of pointing them towards Christ, whether that comes in the conclusion, the climax, yeah. or whether it's throughout. You, you, you just point them to Christ and say, see, now this uh, Joseph being stripped of his robes, there is another one who is stripped for us, who yeah. encountered shame for us. And you just kind of make that transition easily without saying, now, because I have patterns and flight yeah. and promises, then yeah. I can do this. And we could do that also with, with, with character attributes as that's well. Right. That, that's right. That, that we see. And a lot yep. of people are sometimes are comfortable with that. That's right. Right. It's like, oh, so you're saying these are moral examples of how we're... Yeah, they are. Yeah. They, they are. Right. And, but, but they're exemplified best in Christ. That's right. They're exemplified yeah. best in Christ. So I'm, I'm preaching this Sunday um, on Psalm 42 and 43, Why Are You Downcast on My Soul? I Will Yet Praise Him. That famous, those famous songs. You're going to preach that as one psalm? One psalm. Yeah. I'm actually doing them all together because uh, I think they're originally probably put together. You have that refrain and all of them. But that's besides the point. So one of the things you ask is uh, when, when you come to that text, how do you see Christ in there? And what I immediately noticed, uh, or probably not immediately, as after reflecting upon it, is you've got this strong theme of the Davidic. I know this is by the sons of Korah, but it's the Psalms. And so the, the righteous suffer. Maybe I can just say the righteous suffer is fulfilled in Christ. And David is the prime example of the righteous sufferer, but I think through the whole psalms you have that. So if you have that larger theme, 
And then you go to this psalm and you have words like, I thirst for God. My soul is sorrowful. I immediately started thinking of the Jesus story. When he's on the cross, he says, I thirst. Mm -hmm. He says uh, in this psalm, God, why have you rejected me? Now, it's not the exact same word, but Jesus on the cross says what? Why have you forsaken me? You have um, Isaiah. You have, uh, uh, he's a man of sorrows. And this is a text of sorrows. And so for me, I'm not going to be spending a bunch of time showing these connections, but actually I'm going to come to the climax and say, ultimately we have one who has suffered with us Mm -hmm. and for us. So as you go through your own suffering, we look to Christ because he can sympathize with us because he too thirsted. He too was forsaken by God. He too was a man of sorrows. And and that's where I think I'm actually, we're actually understanding the narrative and the narrative flow of this one unified story that finds its climax, it finds its fulfillment in Jesus. And I think that gives people hope. Hey, this is Todd. We have received a lot of good feedback on this podcast. We've also received some questions. Uh, You have been emailing them to us, and we want to encourage you to consider that. That's right. So we plan on doing an episode where we just answer questions. So we'd love to have you send those things in to podcast at westernseminary.edu, podcast singular at westernseminary.edu. And Todd, how can they send those questions? Well, you can either type them out in the email, but what would be even better is if you created an audio file uh, asking the question and send that to us right we need to keep that 20 seconds and we'll play it and so send in we'd love to hear the audio clip of your voice we'd play it and then we'd answer the question as best we can thanks thanks for listening to food trucks in babylon the music you hear is provided by our friends at humble beast records if you like the show please leave us a review and feel free to subscribe to learn more about western seminary visit us at westernseminary.edu Thank you.